Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, we've got Melanie. She moved to Portugal less than a year ago, and right away she felt unwell. Three weeks later, she had a cancer diagnosis. Hear all about the Portuguese healthcare system, how it compares to the U.S., and how Melanie is doing now. This is part one of our two-part series with Melanie. Stick around. Well, hi there, expats. Hey, Dan. How's it going? How you been? Hey, Dan. I'm doing great, thank you. What's been going on with you guys this week? Yeah, we've actually had a ton going on this past week. We hosted yet another expat meetup. This time it was at Scoundrels Distillery, which is an awesome venue opened up by an expat, an Aussie expat. Yeah, I saw some pics from that. It was a great turnout, really, really good space because we had enough room. We're finding that the group is growing so quickly that some of the the locations that we choose just aren't big enough, right? Yeah, we've we've gotten a lot bigger, so it's harder to find some of these cute little bars that we know of or restaurants like that just can't accommodate anymore. So this was a really great space. Nice also for it still being kind of off and on rain. So it was all inside, which was good. And it was different because normally we try to find a place that has food there, but they don't have food. So what they did is they catered and it worked out really well. You could pre-order burritos and then they had a variety of drinks. Obviously, they had gin because it's a gin distillery, but they're also doing rum, too. So they featured that as well. So it was a, it was a good turnout, something a little different, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it looked like you guys had a blast. Yep. And the other stuff going on is we're getting pulled in different directions in terms of what our hours in the week are like, because... We had an offer accepted on a place that is going to be a part of the Vertical Community Venture. Yeah. To the listener that doesn't know what the Vertical Community Venture is, it is basically a project that we started about a year ago 
and we hope to live in a building that has been renovated to a, a standard where you don't have to worry about thermal insulation, noise insulation, you have good electrical and plumbing. These are four of the main criteria that you have to look out for when you're buying a property here in Portugal and make sure that they're good. And a lot of times you might buy a property that has been recently renovated and then come to find out when you move in that the insulation or maybe the electrical or plumbing hasn't been upgraded. So it passes the eye test, but then once you start living in the place, it's not that great. Well, we had an offer accepted on a property and trying to get things in line before we travel back to the U.S. has been a bit of a time crunch. I believe it, but I am super excited to hear more about that project. And I'll have a link to your YouTube playlist all about it in the show notes. So, of course, lining up things like that, which is a time crunch, but then also production schedule and trying to make sure we shoot anything that needs to be done in Portugal before we actually leave Portugal since we'll be out of the country for a little over a month. So it has been very busy with the meetup, with get-togethers, with the house thing, with YouTube, all of it. It's been it's been quite busy. And I know for sure I've been annoying Kaylee with asking her to film anytime she spends money. So over the next 30 days or well really we're at the end of it, but for 30 days we have documented everything that we've spent money on to update our cost of living video. Uh -huh. So that video should come out in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'll be interested to see what has changed from last year. Everyone talks about inflation, of course, but just, you know, cost of living in general, what we're spending our money on, and if it's changed for a family of three in a year. It's so cool you guys documented that. It's going to be very interesting. So, Kaylee, this week you set Josh and I up with Melanie. This interview was like the princess bride of expat interviews. Man, it had it all. Yeah, there was mystery and drama all rolled up into a medical thriller that ended with the three of us on the edge of our seats with tears in our eyes. That's right, man. Melanie's husband was in the room, too, and there wasn't a dry dude eye to be had. Melanie and her husband, Kevin, are just such great people, and they're just such a blessing to have in our lives. They, they're so full of life and excitement, and when Melanie found out about what had happened to her, she just took it so well. And I, I mean, I think it'd be really hard to take this news anyway, but then in a different country, you've just moved, you had all these expectations for what life was going to be like, and then this happens. So she just took it so well. Yeah, absolutely. What an incredibly positive spirit and positive outlook she's got. But in all honesty, Kaylee, you do such an awesome job lining up these interviews for us. And Melanie's story is one like no other. What an honor that she's willing to share it with us. Well, and that's another thing. Not only is she going through this, but then she's so open about it. And it's so helpful because someone else could find themselves in this situation and not know what to do and not know how to navigate it. So it's just so nice that she's just willing to share her news and her experience and what has happened to her and how to, how to go about doing things. So we thank her so much for that. And before we get to Melanie, one more reminder, listener, we'd love to hear from you. So send us an email at podcast at expatseverywhere.com. Over the next couple of weeks, we really want to collect great questions, especially questions that you feel like you would maybe leave in the comment section on the YouTube videos, but not the types of questions that would be easy for us to respond just via typing back. We want questions where you want to hear us unpack something, maybe a little more nuanced or, or complex, getting maybe a deeper answer to something. 
Yeah, Dan is planning to put together a Q&A episode here on the podcast. So definitely send in your questions, whether it's on YouTube or to that email address, podcast at expatseverywhere.com. And he will ask your question to us on the podcast. That's the plan. And we'll be back with Melanie in part one of this very special two-part series right after this. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. (laughs) She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location and a livable location until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us at Expats Everywhere and talking with us about your experience moving to Portugal. Can you let us know, when did you arrive in Portugal? Hi, Josh. It is a sincere pleasure, privilege, and honor to meet with you today. My husband and I, no pets, no kids, just us. We arrived in Portugal October 6th of 2022, so five months ago. I had never been to Europe, never been to another continent, never been across the pond. We literally jumped in with both feet as impulsive adventurers do. And we figured it's Europe. It's beautiful. It's Europe. It's advanced. It's a, you know, metropolitan, um, cu- you know, country within a set of metropolitan countries. What could possibly go wrong? We would be fine. So we jumped in with both feet and decided to let fate take the rest of the way. What was the catalyst to getting you to move to Europe sight unseen? Well, YouTube helped. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I followed a lot of blogs at Bass City. Um, I am very, I used to be an event planner, so I'm very A-type when it comes to collecting a lot of data and information. And also my ancestry is Portuguese and Spanish. So my family, my ancestry hails from Villarreal, Portugal and Valencia, Spain. And it had always been my dream to retire in Europe to go learn more about my culture and my people and uh, where I'm from. I knew what it was to be American, born and raised right. in California. I knew I knew what it's like to be American. Let me go ahead and try European for size and try that size on of my ancestry and and kind of see you know learn more about who I am um, and my culture. So that is why we decided in our mid forties to establish ourselves through the D7 process, uh, the visa process, and um, obtain residency in Europe. And we knew that we would have to toggle back and forth. We weren't, you know, we're not quite done with living in the U.S. yet. We do have residencies in both. But we definitely wanted to start establishing ourselves in order to retire there eventually here in Europe. And so we are here now. It's been fabulous. Okay, nice. So you arrived in October. And what? have you had your, your self-appointment to confirm your residency here in Portugal? Not until April 17th that is coming up. We have our meeting with um, Relocate to Portugal, who is the entity that helped us get here, uh, get all the bureaucracy for the D7. And they will be meeting us uh, with us on March 17th to get prepared for April 17th. Self-appointment both here in Porto. We're very lucky that's here locally. Yeah, very true. Sometimes you you get sent across the country uh, yeah. to have that appointment. So well done to get it here where you live. How have you found life uh, arriving in Porto? I cried at the airport when we arrived because I could not believe I had landed my feet in Europe, first of all. Good. It had always been a dream of mine. I was here. I was in Portugal. I was able to finally see and experience with my own eyes and ears and everything what all the Instagram filters, <laughs> they call the <laughs> Instagram, I wanted to see for myself and I wanted to hear the language and I wanted to taste the food and I was super anxious and the honeymoon lasted a very long time. Now we have assimilated and we live here. So now the day-to-day -day is different. But I don't think the love affair with Europe will ever cease. And I think Portugal is so amazing in so many ways. Very, very different from all I've known. So there is, you know, there are some growing pains a little bit. And, um, you know, when you relocate to a completely different country, of course, not every day is going to be perfect. And you're going to um, hit some roadblocks. In. But there's so many resources and so many helpful, kind, helpful hands that will guide you that we haven't ever hit a wall and stayed at a wall. We've always been able to overcome obstacles with the help of kind people. I literally am just convinced that there's angels that walk amongst us here because <laughs> that has been my experience. It has been a really um, more seamless than I thought it would be, actually. Okay, right on. Well, I'm, I'm actually fascinated because you use the word honeymoon period. Uh, yes. to talk about your time here in, in Porto and in Portugal. What were some of the things that were happening during your honeymoon period? Oh, just acting like a tourist, right? We had never okay. been to Portugal. So just being a tourist in your own town. Got it. But I always preached that when I was living in the United States. The 50 states are 50 different kind of small countries with its own history, its own food culture, everything. Be oh, a tourist in your own town. So mm. as soon as we got here, the first thing I wanted to do was to see all the things. And I wanted to go to all the restaurants and I wanted to be a tourist, even though we had a residency already, an apartment waiting for us. I really wanted to scout my new town for, yeah, yeah I wanted to go to all the spots. I wanted to hit all the museums. I wanted to go to some shows and see all the churches. And um, I wanted to be a tourist. And so that was really fun. It's super, super fun. You know, and then 
I had a little bit of a health scare. And so it's kind of directed us a little bit. So the honeymoon then turned into day-to-day living and now actually living as a Portuguese resident going through health treatments. And so our honeymoon kind of um, took a turn in the way that I can't really tour as much anymore. I can't really do a lot of things because I'm actually at the hospital several times a week now. So that has kind of changed things. But now I feel like uh, a Portuguese resident in the way that uh, any other local would, you know, in that regard. So it's it's not a bad thing at all. It just has changed the way things look right now. Okay. So that was really the thing that the, the health scare was the thing that shifted you from being in the honeymoon phase to now the, the daily life or the day-to-day phase. Yes, correct. Okay. Let's talk about the health scare. So what's going on? So what ended up happening is when we got here, about two weeks later after we got here, we, um, as soon as we arrived, actually, I signed up with two entities, AFPOP and Serenity. They're both concierge services. AFPOP will help you with, oh my gosh, everything from assimilating and establishing yourself with the bureaucracy here. They will get you contacts like realtors and insurance company, anything that you need here locally, they will help expats with that. Serenity is more of a medical concierge. You are assigned a an advice nurse, and then they will um, set you up with like a dentist, a specialist, a chiropractor, um, and they will get help you with that type of bureaucracy when it comes to the um, the medical end of it. I recommend, highly recommend anyone who is looking to relocate here as soon as you receive your NEF for any type of visa that you um, start doing that because with any insurance, private insurances, if you use the private health care or the public health care, um, you need your NEF to do, be able to do that, but you can start signing up for private health care insurances. There is a waiting period with a lot of them of 60 to 90 days. So it's really good. Uh, I encourage you to do get that done as soon as possible to get through the 60 to 90 days. That way, if anything happens, if you twist an ankle, if you catch COVID, if anything happens like that to where you need a little bit of medical attention, it's already set up for you and you don't have to worry about waiting periods. Everything is covered. And when I say everything is covered, I mean, with a lot of the insurance policies here, it includes vision and dental and everything. So you are very well covered here. It is not linked to employment at all. It's completely separate. Right. That's very, very different from the U.S. to where it is very um, separate from all that. So you don't have to worry about um, your jobs or co-pays, deductibles. You don't have to really worry about a lot of that here, which is really nice. I had all that set up, but we were still in the interim of the 90-day period. And so... I had, was not feeling well and I was not getting over jet lag. I was really fatigued. I was not sleeping well. I didn't know. I just felt very overall unwell. And then about two weeks later, brushed against my chest with my wrist and I felt a lump. And it was a very, very large lump. And I, right. oh my gosh, it just happened out of nowhere overnight, right. literally. And I was like, what is that? What's going on? So I called a friend, a fellow expat here, who has was already within the uh, the healthcare system here, a private healthcare Hospital Kuf and Kuf Institute are two uh, private hospitals here. And mm-hmm. she already had a doctor. She said, call my doctor, get an appointment. You need to get seen right away. Mm-hmm. Um, cysts run in my family and all the women in my family. I didn't, honestly, I wasn't that alarmed. I thought that was probably just what it was because it was so surface and it was large. And it came out of nowhere overnight, literally. I had an appointment within two weeks, I would say. I uh, went to see the doctor. She did an exam. She said, it feels like a cyst. We're going to go ahead and get this checked for you. Let's uh, go ahead and get you an appointment for a mammogram and ultrasound right away. So I was able to go in and get that done within two weeks. So I got a mammogram and ultrasound and they said, "Um, this looks like a cyst, but it's not behaving like a cyst. We need to do a biopsy. 
So I had a biopsy done probably two weeks after that. All this took place within a six-week period. After the biopsy, I received an email. So the doctor did not contact me. Actually, I received all the information first because I was paying cash for all of this since mm -hmm. I was uh, in between my waiting period. Yep. So this isn't the fault of insurance or anything. This is just a timing thing. Yep. Um, and so happy to do that because it's, it's very affordable. And the thing about the attitudes of healthcare here, I have to say, is they care way more about your wellness and being treated than they do about the money matters. They're like, we can work on that at the, at the back. We'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. They yeah. were really concerned about my health. And I love mm. that because I didn't feel like a dollar sign. I felt like a human being. They were very kind. And what I like about the Portuguese people, especially the medical staff, not only did they speak English, which was really helpful for me because, you know, I just moved here, mm -hmm. um, that they were very straightforward. They did not handle me with kid gloves. They treated me like an adult, very straightforward, but also mm. very kind. They held yeah. my hand while they were being, while they were sugarcoating my thing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> they were holding my hand. And I really appreciated right. that because I think as a human being, we can take any information that's brought to us as long as we have all the information, right? Yeah. So I really appreciated that delivery uh, method, actually. And so I did a biopsy. And they numbed me up very good. Everything was done. And they said, okay, we're going to find out in a week. So a week later, I received an email with my biopsy results. And so my husband and I were in the kitchen. And I was like, babe, I have cancer. Uh. And he's like, what? And I said, I have something called stage three invasive ductal carcinoma, which is cancer of the milk duct. And okay. so basically that whole breast just needs to get tossed in the trash at this point. Um, okay. And so they said, okay, well, we caught it late. And we have to do an aggressive form of treatment for you. But here in Europe, we are very advanced. Portugal is very advanced in cancer research and treatment. They create a custom cocktail of chemo drugs for you. It's not one size fits all. Okay. And so in this, my mother went through the exact same cancer as I have exactly one year ago. She got diagnosed one December. I got diagnosed another December. So I would Whoa. say between all of the investigative, I had a lot of blood work done, a lot of, I had an MRI, I had a CT scan, I had all of this stuff done, all this investigative work for diagnosis, several blood tests before I received that email. Okay. And so they said, we know exactly what type of cancer you have, what kind of receptors you have, we have all of this. And my mother in the States did not receive this information, like not until way, way, way later. And sure. so they said, we're going to create a custom chemo cocktail for you. That's going to attack your specific cancer and based on your receptors and your genetics and everything. I did a genetics test here. I did all of that here. They had it all done. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed. When I went into to get radiology to get all the x-rays done, it was like walking into a space station. It was like Disneyland hmm. where you go to like Space Mountain and everything. It's like, what? Uh -huh. It blew my mind how state of the art the equipment was. All the computers were brand new. All the software was brand new. I didn't see the DOS system anywhere to be found. <laughs> Everything was state-of-the-art. I was very, very impressed. So by the time all was said and done, they said, could we have this set up for you? We're going to go ahead and play support. So I went into surgery uh, that I was 100% awake for, which was nuts. Um, and they placed a, port, a, a catheter in my vein, here my jugular vein, um, in order to use the port for dra blood draws and chemo instead of using my veins. So now my veins are not going to be shot at all. And they were able to do that. Then we started chemo the day after. So I had port surgery one night. And then we started chemo the very next day. They used my port, took off the bandage, used the port, didn't feel a thing. And they created the cocktail. After my first chemo session, 
I went in for my second chemo session two weeks later. Um, and it's four rounds of very aggressive, two types of drugs with a shot that Kevin has to administer into my stomach the day after. Rare. So three types of drugs for four, for four rounds. And as of chemo session two, my tumor had shrunk by half. Wow. And I just had my chemo session three yesterday. Okay. And she, after the exam, she could barely feel my, tu- my tumor. It had shrunk so much. So the special cocktail that they had used, they said Working. had a very, very high um, statistics of shrinkage. Okay. And then I had four rounds of this. And then I have 12 rounds of a lighter drug. But I have 12 rounds and it's going to work as hard as it can to guarantee a non-reoccurrence of or spread. So it's going to stop the spread and everything. It has not spread all over my body, just to the lymph nodes here. A very, very, very lucky, very lucky girl, very lucky prognosis. Um, mm-hmm. My story isn't everyone's story. Um, sure. My personal experience is going to be very different from someone else who has a different type of cancer or even a different type of breast cancer. Sure. Um, and so the fact that they do custom cocktails here was very impressive. Um, it's working. The side effects and symptoms that I have are very manageable by medication. And I am able to, other than some brain fog and some major fatigue in the middle of there, I, which is just naps and hydration, basically, yeah. I am able to still have my capacities and my facilities. And I'm able to run errands and carry on and function. I'm really, really surprised by that. I was not expecting that. So do I feel unwell sometimes? Of course. I have cancer. I'm going through chemo. There's going to be uh, sure. side effects and symptoms, but I'm still able to go on social social calls and um, conduct business. And uh, I just have to do things a little slower now, but I have a very, very high prognosis. And after this, I will do all the things that are required of me, um, radiation, surgery, um, and then hormonal therapy from five to for five to ten years. But I am forty six years old. I'm young. I'm still strong. Um, all of my blood work in my platelets and my red cells and white cells are normal. I don't have anemia. So the cocktail that they're using is doing exactly what they intended it to do, and it's leaving a lot less destruction and havoc on the rest of my body than I anticipated. Um, and that has been the case for a lot of cancer survivors who've gone through treatment. I am very impressed. In Portugal or in general? In general, compared to the cancer survivors in my family um, that have gone through treatment in the States, um, here in Portugal, the they have told me that the odds are very, very good. I've talked okay. to other cancer patients that are going through chemo as well. They have lost their hair, but they haven't lost more than that. I've also lost my hair. I'm completely bald. Um, <laughs> but I, that's a small sacrifice to make for the amount of pros compared to the cons in dealing with something like this. I have felt that chemo has been a lot more gentle for me here than has been yeah. the case for maybe some of my relatives that have gone through treatment. Right on. In other countries. Yeah. Very happy. Okay. I have, I have a couple of questions. Just in the beginning, you talked about how you, you felt the lump and you called your friend's doctor <laughs> and two weeks later you were seeing... Is that about a normal, yeah, is that a normal time span to get an appointment? I do not know because I let them know why I wanted to be seen and I think that they rushed me in. I see. Okay. Because of the reason why I was being seen. I see. Okay. Because you had this like two week cadence and I'm just curious about that. If that's, if that's kind of normal with that, did that happen with your mom? Is it, is it, does it seem to be faster here in that regard or about the same? I would say, oh, that's a really good question. I honestly don't know how to answer that. I okay. think it just really depends on the 
the urgency of the situation of being seen. Um, if you right. could get in with us, I think a specialist and their team will move mountains to get you seen if they feel like it's urgent enough. That's honestly my impression of Portugal is that from talking to either people who have been through things like this or people in the medical industry, they seem to triage really well. Very um, well. But I guess the downside to that is if you don't have anything that is like super pressing, important, depressing, thank you, um, then you're, you're on a six month waiting list for something. And, and that can be a little frustrating at least maybe more so in the public sector. But the public sector seems to be super robust. So there are certain things that the private sector can't actually do that they then refer you to the public for. Were you doing all this public or private? I'm glad that you asked that. The funny thing about the public and private sectors is that they both use the exact same doctors. So my yeah. doctors in the private sector are also going to be my doctors in the public sector. They just toggle between the various hospitals. So your level of care is exactly the same. With the public sector, it, there is a little bit more of a waiting period. That is true. With the private sector, a lot of people do go the private route because you do have uh, shorter wait times and access to specialists quicker, a longer directory of specialists quicker um, yep. than the public sector. So there is a way to navigate both at the same time because of the urgency of my situation, I decided to go through private because I had no time to waste on treatment and diagnosis. I was giving a temporary Utenge number. Um, Utenge, is that Utenge number? I think it's Utenge. like the... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you've got a Brazilian Portuguese there, that pronunciation. <laughs> Utenge. <laughs> so I was giving a temporary one in order to utilize and access the public sector if I needed to, because I was in the uh, in the thick of like my residency transition. Yeah. But because of the urgency of the situation, they were like, we don't care about the money aspect. If we need to get you to a state hospital where the government will cover it, we'll do that for you. It's just a Love matter it. of we you may have to wait an extra four weeks to get right. treatment started there. And I opted not to do that because I did not want to to stall my treatment. So I decided to pay cash through the private sector to get it done quicker. However, okay. after April 17th, when my stuff, when my stuff appointment is, is over, then I will have a permanent Uthench number and then I will be able to have my radiation surgery and hormonal therapy done through the public sector. And then that will be free of charge to me as I will now be an official temporary resident. That's a blessing. It is such a blessing. Financial blessing for sure. What good fortune. Um, but if I can talk about that a little bit, about the financials, Let's do it. I don't want I don't want um I, I, I don't find money issues to be taboo at all. I really want to get this out there. I'm sure I'm sure people are curious. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. 
And Kaylee is a mad lady, and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things, and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.